Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mike. Evening all. Really great to be here. And uh, welcome from me as well. And I uh, hope you're doing well. And happy bank holiday weekend and all those kinds of things. And hope you've had some good highlights recently. Last week was full of good ingredients for many. Um, the AGM, anybody's highlight of last week? The AGM, Monday. Um, and festivals of different sorts. The, the Christian Arts Festival, I know that's ongoing. And the Jazz Festival and things like that. Um, anybody else's birthday on Thursday this week? A little bit of a highlight there. I don't do a big deal on birthdays, but I do do a big deal about Arsenal, as you know, and they happened to win in Europe that evening, so that was good news, even though I think they've just probably not done very well this afternoon. Jamie's just told me. Thanks, Jamie. But uh, good to be here. I hope you're doing well. And um, it won't have escaped anybody's attention that the political scene in our nation is a little bit rocky at the moment, and messy it often is. It's been elections, local elections, although not in this town, but uh, over the country. And it set me thinking, as I was thinking about tonight, about elections and those things that come through the door sometimes. And I do actually sometimes read them, the, the manifestos of the various uh, candidates or parties. And I can't remember if I've said it here. I've said it in, in, in a gathering fairly recently. Turns out that I was in the same class at school as the guy who is now the deputy head of the monster raving loony party. Um, and and he, he got in touch with me a, a while ago, which was kind of a surreal experience. You know, who, who knew that he'd end up there and I'd end up being a you know, boring vicar in Cheltenham? And he thought, yeah, that was probably fairly predictable uh, when we were at class together. Anyhow, I looked on the, the um, monster raving loony party uh, website this week to see what their manifesto said about um, various things, their commitments. And I thought I'd read you a couple. We were going to send that. So this is true policy for them. If they get elected, they might. Who knows? Politics is <laughs> stranger things are happening at the moment. Um, we will send Noel Edmonds to negotiate Brexit because he understands deal or no deal. <laughs> that was quite nice. We propose to cancel stamp duty. Stamps are expensive enough already, so we shouldn't have to pay extra duty on them. Besides leap years, we will also institute hop years, skip years, and jump years. All food sold in McDonald's will be clearly marked, may contain traces of real food. <laughs> we'll make unicorns a protected species, and so on. And on they go. It's quite fun reading their website. Uh, and we're pretty cynical about manifestos. I don't know about you, you, you if you're a political kind of a person, you heard, heard about these manifestos, but for probably fairly good reason, we tend to think, well, I'm not sure how much if that's worth the paper it's written on. I'm not sure if that's going to be how it is, if, if we elect this person or this party or whatever. That's a bit of a shame that we say that, but it's, it's uh, got some truth about it. It won't surprise you to know that the most inspiring manifesto by far uh, that any of us could ever read is in the Bible. Mike's just reminded us what an extraordinary uh, book we have in our hands. And um, it's sometimes called the Kingdom of God Manifesto, the bit in the Bible. I'm going to ask you to turn to Luke chapter 4, if you've got your Bibles with you. That's the passage that, or the chapter that we're going to be anchoring ourselves in tonight. Uh, but it starts, uh, and this is going to, you, you need verse 18 to start with. They'll, they'll come on the screen as well. Uh, this is the ancient prophet Isaiah, so some 800 years beforehand. Uh, and and uh, Jesus is, is uh, reading this out. He's, it, to bring you up to date with the story, you know, he's been baptized, he's been kind of growing up, he's got to the age of about 30, Jesus has been baptized, he's then gone off into the wilderness, uh, he's been fending off the devil's uh, attacks and temptations and ways of trying to undermine who he is. He emerges out of the wilderness, Jesus does, as we're told, full of the power of the Spirit. He heads off to church, first thing he does, synagogue in those days, and um, stands up in his hometown in Nazareth, and he reads this out. If you've got it now, Luke 4, 18. Here is what is sometimes called then the kingdom manifesto. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me 
to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's an extraordinary passage from many hundreds of years before, familiar to the people listening to it, and he's saying, here is a manifesto, a kingdom manifesto. If you like, here is my manifesto now. This is what I'm standing for. These are the, the priorities that you can expect from me. This is what I'm committed to doing and seeing happen. And I won't be breaking my promise. Now, of course, Jesus is not some politician who is, is standing on a platform trying to persuade people to vote for him. That's not the, the scene here. This is at the beginning of his three years of public ministry. And he's drawing attention in this early first thing that we get recorded effectively of him saying, this is who I am and this is what I'm about. And of course, it caused quite a stir. Everybody's gazes on him. They've heard about this prophecy. They've been wondering for 800 years, well, who is the me in the sentence? The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. Who is that me? And Jesus is saying, it's me. I'm here. Today, he says, if you look on in the passage, this passage, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, I'm that person. And so it begins, these priorities, this kingdom of God manifesto then gets played out over the next three years of Jesus' life, as recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the, in, in the gospel accounts. And so uh, you'll be aware if you're here last week that Andrew kicked us off in this series where we're looking at some of the ways in which this kingdom manifesto plays out in the life of Jesus. We're going to uh, look at a whole range of moments in the accounts where he bumps into some people, a person or people, there are encounters with him. And we see how this plays out in their life and in his life, how this world-changing commission happens, culminating, in his case, of course, in the cross and the events of Easter and the resurrection. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, paraphrase. In other words, God is with me fully. He's anointed me, paraphrase. And these are paraphrases that don't hold me to them, but in shorthand, he's anointed me means I've got everything that I need. He's given me authority He's given me resource by way of power and authority. I have what I need to proclaim good news to, to the poor. Paraphrase, to say that the world is tough and it's full of suffering and bad things happen, but there is hope. To open blind eyes. So metaphorically, to recognize that there's a bunch of people living in deception and with a twisted version of the truth, and therefore to bring truth to them so that their eyes get open, literally to open blind eyes. Literally, in people's bodies, amazing things are going to happen. The healing of physical bodies as part of God's loving kindness to you. Freedom for prisoners and people who are oppressed. So literal prisoners, people who are trapped in places of total injustice and, and, and poverty and, and uh, victims of all sorts of uh, offense. Freedom. And freedom for those who are trapped by fears and twisted mindsets and pride and greed and self-obsession and addictions. Anything that the enemy can use to keep you from succeeding in life. Which happens when we're in partnership with God. And then finally, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In other words, in shorthand, to declare that God is your father. He's very, very good. He wants to show you that he's kind and he's generous and he's gracious and he's compassionate. He's slow to anger and he's abounding in love and all of those things. And he wants you in relationship. He wants you in the family. That is a pretty amazing manifesto, isn't it? We could kind of stop there. Uh, and there's, a, there's a, a term's worth of 
material there, isn't there? Just to focus on this extraordinary kingdom manifesto. There are other commissions that Jesus talks about, but he starts with this one, at least in Luke's gospel. And then we read on in the chapter, and this is the portion that we've been uh, assigned tonight. How does it play out in some of the first uh, things that then are recorded for us? A little bit later, verse 38. He leaves the synagogue, and he went to the house of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she got up at once, and she began to wait on them. And at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses, and he laid their hands on each one, and he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, you're the son of God. See, they knew, they recognized. But he rebuked them, and he wouldn't allow them to speak, because they knew that he was the Messiah. And at daybreak, the next morning, Jesus went to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. When they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, because that's why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Kind of familiar sort of passage. If you've been in and around the Gospels, you recognize this passage or, or others like it. And what are we seeing here? Let me remind you, the kingdom manifesto beginning to be worked out in various ways. Jesus, anointed by God, the Spirit of the Lord is on him to proclaim good news to the poor. How's he doing that? Here, he's teaching them words of life on, on, on the dry ground of their hearts. They've heard plenty of teaching, but they've never heard teaching like this. It comes alive in his mouth. It comes alive in their hearts and, take, and has its impact. He's opening blind eyes physically here. Okay, it's not eyes this time. It's a, it's a fever in the case of uh, Simon Peter's mother-in-law. But physical healing, the miraculous intervention, the power of God to make something different in somebody's body immediately. And then a whole bunch of others who are sick. And then to release some people who are under the influence of uh, evil in some way or another. And then to declare and to demonstrate the favor of God. And all in just a few hours, if you think about it, all of those things, those aspects of what he said he was going to do, what he was about, he's delivering on. This is who I am. And he goes, I've got to carry on doing this. This is why I was sent. It's another little phrase, one of the slightly rare phrases when we kind of get from Jesus himself, his understanding of his commission, purpose. This is what I'm about. The Father sent me to do this, to be this person. So we hear all of that tonight, or we read our Bibles, we hear it, and we go, brilliant. I love that. That is just fantastic. That would certainly be the best manifesto that could ever drop through my letterbox. And we're going, great guns. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so inspired by what I read about who you are. And then if we're not careful, we stop there, and we miss the next most important bit, which is that it is not just Jesus kingdom manifesto. It is ours. And we kind of recoil a little bit at that. We Hang on a minute, Tim. Hang on a minute, God. Hang on a minute. Uh, I'm not Jesus. So how can it be ours? Uh, fair enough. We're not. And I'm not claiming that we are. But Jesus goes on in many places. I'll give you an example of one. John 20, 21. He says, as the Father sent me, says, I've been sent here to do these things, to be this person. As the Father sent me, says Jesus in John 20, so I'm sending you. In the same way that he sent me, I'm sending you. We could look at a whole other bunch of ways in which we're commissioned. But this kingdom of God manifesto, he puts it into our hands 
now for us. Okay, we'll never be Jesus. We're going to be we're going to fall short time and time again. But friends, we cannot shrink from the commission here that this manifesto is now ours. It's part of doing what we sang the very first song. I don't know if you remember it or caught it. Bringing heaven's reality to earth. On earth as in heaven. We're taught to pray. Mike prayed it at the beginning, didn't he? On earth as it in heaven. That's part of the, the manifesto. This is just a working out of what those realities are. In heaven, there's no sickness. In heaven, there's no oppression. In heaven, there's no injustice. In heaven, there's no poverty. Pretty amazing. Pretty weighty. Pretty scary. Okay, I'm just going to throw out a handful of rather simple things, but, but still quite profound. First thing to note, just remind ourselves, succeeding in life, and we all want to, every human on the planet wants to succeed in life, that means following Jesus in being faithful to God's commission. And we're going, amen, inside. Partnering with God in God's mission to grow his family by doing a whole bunch of things. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. I want you to replace me with your, your name in your head right now. The Spirit of the Lord is on your name. In other words, God's with me. He's anointed you, if you've begun a journey with Jesus, to proclaim good news to the poor, to say there's hope, to open blind eyes, to release people, and so on, to do these things, to declare that God is good, to show that God is good. And, and the idea that we could uh, succeed at life by ignoring the biggest commission that hangs over our life is a nonsense, isn't it? It's just ridiculous. We can't say, I want to succeed at life, which in our understanding means understanding uh, what God has given us to do, and, and then choose not to, to step into that. Costly, sure. Does it work out differently for all of us? Of course it does. We're all unique, unique settings, unique callings, unique personalities, all of that, of course. But let's just remind ourselves that's what success looks like. Second, we've got everything that we need. Because again, some of us are thinking, and I used to be in this camp, thinking, well, I haven't got anything like what I need. I'm not nearly, you know, this enough or that enough. Or I, I, Surely there must be something, some extra stuff that I need. Jesus goes, no, actually. You're made in the image of God already. We're made in the image of God. We ourselves have been born again. If you've started a, a journey with God, then you've been, you've been brought from being dead to being alive by him. Symbolized by baptism, hope you've been baptized. We carry the DNA of the Father. We're sons and daughters, we're part of the family. We've received grace, we've been given a whole load of promises, all of which are yes in Jesus. We've been given some gifts, we've been given some resources. Most of all, we've been given the very presence of God. When Jesus says that thing in John 20, do you remember? He says, so uh, I'm sending you now, just in the same way that the Father sent me with that commission, I'm now sending you in the same way. And what did he do next? Did he say, and here, here's a manual, to go with. Here's a bunch of rules. Here, here's how it works out. Here's your starter pack. Here's the, the links on Google to find out. Here's some tests. No, he didn't. He breathed on them. He said, receive my Holy Spirit and get going. Now, sure, we need to learn in all of those ways. We need to grow in our understanding. There's a whole bunch of things that we need to gain in experience and, and, and get better at and fail and and keep recycling. It's well, partly why we gather in our holy huddles like this, to encourage one another and seek God for, for the more. But there's nothing that we're waiting for him to give us in order to fulfill this kingdom manifesto that we don't already have. So let's embrace that. Being called to be good news in a bad news world. 
As you know, if you were around last week, and if you weren't, then Andrew kicked this whole series off. We're going to spend quite a bit of time in these kinds of messages. They're not going to be straightforward. They're pretty uncomfortable. They're not easy for somebody like me as I'm, as I'm, as I'm putting them together, or Mike, or whoever. Andrew last week uh, f- framed it for us in, um, a, a, by way of saying, there's gonna, think about green space. Think about uh, not seeing life and ourselves within it in a kind of segmented category kind of a way where we divide things up into sacred and secular, or we divide things into spiritual and not spiritual, or into a kind of God zone and a non-God zone, or into the church and the world, or into yellow and blue. He's saying, no, these things belong together, hence green. Seeing all of our environments through kingdom lenses, seeing ourselves as kingdom people within them. If I made the lang- building on that kind of language, and there's some stuff at the back to help us there. Don't, don't ignore that. I won't explain it now, but go and have a look. Because we need to encourage ourselves in this. So, so there's a really, really simple phrase I just want to drop in tonight. I felt the Lord give it to me. Here it is, and if you take nothing away, would you go and meditate on this a little bit? It's being good news. That simple, but that profound, that powerful. Being good news. Embarrassingly simple, but so powerful. I wonder what life would look like for us, for example, and we'll minister at the end, we'll pray in a minute. If we were to pray at the beginning of every day, and maybe sometimes through the day, Lord, Father, in the way that Jesus did, he, he went to his silent place, we'll see that in a minute, and I'm pretty sure that one of the things that he was praying there was, God, how, how, do, I, how do I walk in your purposes today then? How does the kingdom manifesto work, it, work itself out today? Help me, direct me, show me, join in. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing, so lead me. He was led perfectly, we're led very imperfectly. But could you be somebody, could we be somebody who at the beginning of every day says, prays a really simple prayer. Father, you've made me to be good news, so will you show me today how to be good news? Can we pick up on on those three words, just... uh, a little quickly making reference to this passage here. I'm just going to put the emphasis on them in, in three different places, therefore. Being good news, first of all. Being good news. I think we're in danger if we just see something like this kingdom manifesto or something like the Great Commission in Matthew 28, go into all the world and make disciples and other commissions that Jesus gives us as the job of a Christian person. If we just see that as the job description We're putting it over there somewhere as the stuff that we need to do to be good followers of Jesus, right? There's a bunch of things we've got to do and achieve. It's not that, is it? It's not that. It starts, you see, it starts with a person. It always starts with a person. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. I'm anointed. In theological language, we we would call this incarnational. Some of you might have done a bit of Latin carnus or carne or something to do with your flesh anyway. So this is about taking on flesh. What did Jesus, what did God the Father do when he came to, 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 to bless us and love us back into wholeness and to restore us? What was the plan? Did he send a bunch of rules? Just do these and you'll be okay. Did he send a philosophy? Believe this stuff and you'll be okay. No. He sent a person, his son, son, God incarnate in flesh. So this is embodied in people. It's not a, just a bunch of stuff that we do. It's, a, it's about people that we are. So here's Jesus, Luke 4, and what is, what's he doing? He's teaching, just in the short passage we, we read there, 38 to 44, if you've, you've uh, got it in your Bibles. We find him teaching, we find him healing, he's chatting with people, he's hanging out with his friends, he's performing some miracles, he's releasing people from oppression, he's spending time by himself, and then he's walking on to other villages. 
And what are the settings? He's in church one day, he, at one moment, then he's in a home, then he's on the streets, and then he's walking on the, on, on the road towards other villages. And nowhere does he say, well, this is this kind of setting, so I've got to, I've got to perform these kind of things here, and this is this kind of setting, and I need to, to get into this mode here. He's just being him, and he's letting out of him what's in him. He's being good news. Friends, I'm going to be really honest with you. I look back in some horror at uh, myself as a, as a teenager or even at early university where this kind of concept was, was not the concept that I'd grown up with. And me was something that would get in the way of people believing truth. The way I saw it was there's a whole bunch of things that people need to believe to uh, get into God's good books and to become part of his family. And my job is to persuade people to believe that bunch of things. And so I was very eager and I was quite well motivated and all that sort of stuff. But I, I look back in horror at my attempts to get people to believe this stuff called truth. And, uh, and we used to come up with kind of cringeworthy packages to put this truth in. If I can just deliver it in the right kind of a way, this person might believe it. And, and I'll sort of hammer away. Some of you are old enough to, to, to know what I'm talking about. And it was just awful, because it was kind of removed. I mean, it wasn't all awful, but it was kind of removed from me. It wasn't incarnate in me. It wasn't something that, that kind of went alongside with this person that, that is Tim-shaped. It didn't come out of me. It was this sort of divorce stuff. Friends, we live inside out. We know that, don't we? Again, if you haven't clocked that, learn it now. We live inside out. What emerges on the outside of our life, the way that we speak, the way that we relate to the world, the stuff that we go about doing, is a reflection of what's inside us, the things that we, the Bible might call our heart or our, our, our soul, our spirit sometimes, our attitudes, our principles, our values, those things in our inner world. Call it whatever you like, but that's the stuff which emerges on the outside. So being good news starts with the inside, doesn't it? Starts with recognizing who we are, who we've, made him to, who, who we've been made to be. Being good news before it even then emerges in talking and act. Of course, it's got to emerge in, in speaking, uh, in the way that we speak and in the way that we uh, do things. Of course, it's got to do that, but it starts on the inside, being good news. If we're looking for some you know, perfect model of evangelism or something, we're, we're just barking up the wrong tree. We're all witnesses. Not sure we like that word so much. Uh, we're all witnesses to something. Can't say I'm not a witness. A witness is just a something that that points to something, isn't it? Uh, well, we might be pointing to Jesus, we might not, but we're all pointing to something. So that's about being. I'll just skip on being good news. Let's just put the emphasis on good for a minute. And this is so terribly obvious, but I think good's rather an underrated word. I, I love the word good. Let's hear it for the word good, um, because it embraces so much, including a good God. I just want to, uh, you don't really need my help, actually, in, you definitely don't need my help, in being creative about what good might look like. I think the idea of the, the trees at the back are to begin to stimulate some, some thought around that if we haven't already, but none of us actually require, when we sit down and think about it, being good news to your, your, your neighbor, being good news to your family member, to the, to the person in your class at the university, to that person in the office that you, it's not complicated, is it? requires some energy and some effort and, and that sort of thing in terms of the uh, activity. So I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on the good that we see in Luke 4, if that's okay. Because what we see in Luke 4 is that good looks miraculous. Good looks like power and love combined. David spoke brilliantly about this this morning. Power and love combined. 
And being good news is going to embrace both. If we try and do the power, I'm going to do good to you, but without love, we're not doing what Jesus did, right? That's actually selfish. That's not even loving. I'm going to score some marks in heaven by doing some good stuff to you. Not really for your sake, because I don't actually care about you, but I do care about my reputation. And then I'm going to be able to have a great testimony that I can tell in church. Look what a good thing I did or said or whatever. Jesus' motivation is always compassion. Always, always, always. Sees need, steps into it, responds, is interruptible, all of those things. But it comes with power too, right? I'd say that there's a lot of loving that doesn't require a huge amount of power. But friends, if we stick with that, again, we're not being faithful to the kingdom manifesto, are we? We can't so work with the kingdom manifesto that we make it all about stuff which is just achievable by a bit of effort and by using our skills and by using our competence. Jesus does say, heal the sick. Heal the sick. He does say, cast out demons. He does say it. Uh, and you've got to come up with, a, you've got to work pretty hard with the scriptures to, to get out of that part of the manifesto and some other things. I'm just going to stick with the, the healing thing because that's, we, that's what we've got here. But don't ignore the rest. Other encounters will deal with, with other ones. Of course, I say that, I mean, it's super challenging. We would far prefer, no, Tim, actually, can you go back to the helping your neighbor and bake a cake and that stuff? And let, let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about how I'm a babysitter for the, the single mom who needs help. But let's talk about that kind of loving or whatever. No. We need to talk about the power stuff too, don't we? We in this church, we, we want to say, we've been singing our songs. We believe, we, we say heaven on earth. We say, Jesus, yeah, we accept your commission. We say that you're a miracle-working God. We say that we believe in the God of the impossible. We say that we're, we're your followers. We say that we've been given the Holy Spirit, and we are called to step into that. That is not the job of somebody else who's just a bit further down the line or who's just a bit better. You won't find that anywhere. Disciples, how much experience do they have before Jesus said, go and heal the sick? Not much. <laughs> Bit of training, seen Jesus do it, off you go. So Simon's mother-in-law, she's probably not, she's not feeling great, is she? There's something going on. Uh, and it, it, her sons don't seem to be fishing as much as they have been recently. There's this new rabbi in town. They're hanging out with him. Hey, they're coming back home, and I'm sick. She's lying down. She's got this horrible fever, and, and she can't fulfill what would be a real part of the culture of hospitality in that time, and it, there'll be shame attached to that. And she can't serve them. And they come in the door and they say, Jesus, can you do something? His heart goes out in compassion. Of course he can. And, she, uh, uh, and he reaches out and speaks the word of power, speaks the word of healing. And the fever immediately goes. 